And the first time I saw it on the shelf, I cried <laughs> because it had been a long time coming um, for that, you know, little girl who wanted to be a writer and that, you know, very different winding path I took to that moment. Kim Harrington has done what countless others only dream of, become a successful author. How did she make it from the slush pile to commercial bookshelves? I'm Kristen Livingston with Bentley University, and this is How I Made It. Talking to Kim is like talking to an old friend for me because we're both writers. We both have bottom drawer books that will never get published as much as we love them, and we both grew up wanting to write. When I was in high school, I always wanted to be a writer, um, starting very, very young. Uh, but I, in high school, when like things are starting to get real, you know, I started to waver on the whole writer thing because you know there's this idea of the starving artist and. You know, <clears throat> my dad had been laid off a couple times and that had affected me. And I was really, really, for a young person, very worried about money all the time. And so I went to one of those career fairs and I went up to the booth for like accounting. And um, the guy just had one question. He said, do you ski? And I said, no. And he goes, all right, you can be an accountant. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, you know, you're going to miss ski season because that's tax season, you know. Uh, so okay. <laughs> and I said, yeah, no, I don't ski. He's like, all right, great. <laughs> so... <laughs> I went to Bentley as an accounting major. It didn't stick. Kim ended up graduating with a marketing degree in 1996. She married her Bentley sweetheart, worked part-time in corporate marketing, and when their son went off to kindergarten, she hit the blank page. No expectations. And I'm like, you know what? I'll just write and, you know, nothing has to come from it. I'm not going to tell anyone about it. No pressure. And so I wrote a book, and I was happy because that told me at least I could finish one. Um, it was horrible, <laughs> and was that? 100 agents agreed with that assessment, <laughs> but I proved to myself that I had the endurance I could, I could finish books, so now I just had to get better at my craft, and so, you know, I worked hard, I wrote a second book, which was like half crap, but a big improvement over the first, and then my third book, I felt like this is really good, and I did score an agent with my third book. But then I learned the lesson of publishing that just because you have a literary agent, that doesn't mean a publishing house is going to give you a contract. The third book didn't sell. Into the bottom drawer it went. Kim wondered if she should quit, focus on something else. Um, but then, you know, I thought, you know, a year ago, I would have killed to be in the position I am now, which is with an agent. So right. it's like, just write one more, you know. And so that book was Clarity, which was, um, even though it's my fourth book that I wrote, it's my first book that I sold. And that got me a two-book deal with Scholastic. So tell me about Clarity. Where did Clarity come from? Oh, gosh, it was so long ago. It was 11 books ago. Um, <coughs> so um, it takes place on the Cape. Mm -hmm. And it's this um, kind of funny family of psychics who do readings for tourists on the Cape. <laughs> and they get pulled into a murder investigation. So I was really influenced by my dad who grew up in Hyannis mm -hmm. and all the stories I'd heard from him growing up about this dichotomy of needing the Taurus, but also hating the Taurus. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I thought like that could be like a really fun setting, especially for this, you know, family business or whatever. And so at this point in time, the book came out in 2011, which is when uh, Paranormal YA was, um, you know, at its peak or whatever. And so this was Twilight kind of... Yes, yeah. So yeah. this was a couple years after that. And it was a little bit of a twist. And the reason I thought it would do really well is, you know, it wasn't 
the YA paranormal with um, vampires and werewolves and stuff like that, right. but it still had, you know, because I really loved writing thrillers and murder mysteries, but this just had like a tinge of the paranormal to it with the whole psychic thing. But I thought it was really fun. It got optioned by Warner Brothers for a short time, which yeah. was great. I got wow. to read a script, which cool. is hilarious because it was, uh, it was optioned for television. So it's really weird. One of the strangest parts of this whole journey was reading that script because these are like characters that I created but like doing things I didn't have them do I suppose it's probably similar to reading fan fiction because yeah. it's just sort of like wow like it was just so cool just mm -hmm. so cool but it ended up not uh, getting made but that was a cool process to be a part of Kim was discovered through the slush pile the mountain of queries and manuscripts from hopeful writers that sits on every agent or editor's desk or in their inbox each entry usually consists of the query letter, which is basically the elevator pitch for the book, and if the agent is magnanimous with their time, the first chapter. Yeah, so everything was from Slush. I knew no one. I was actually at jury duty um, when I got the call that um, one of the agents that I had sent the book to wanted to represent me, and I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I can't jump up and down and scream because I'm at jury duty right now and I'm <laughs> listening to this voicemail, but... So that was, you know, very exciting. Kim was almost there. She had the ring. She could see Mordor. But there was still a golem to face, getting clarity on press. Oh, gosh. The original title to clarity was awful. Awful. Oh. <laughs> and it, I don't know what I was thinking. But it's a line from the first chapter um, when, you know, the main character is talking about, you know, this strange life that she lives or whatever. And she ends the chapter with, you know, welcome to the freak show. So that was... The title of the book, Welcome to the Freak Show. But this was, of course, the point in time when, you know, all the top titles in YA were one word, like Twilight, you know? Yep. And so publishers like, yeah, we want to buy this. And now about, about the title. <laughs> <laughs> and the first time I saw it on the shelf, I cried <laughs> because it had been a long time coming um, for that, you know, little girl who wanted to be a writer and that, you know, very different winding path I took to that moment. Fast forward almost a decade, and Kim's the author of 11 books, two series for kids, Sleuther Dare and Gamer Squad. And for teens, there's Clarity, Perception, The Dead and Buried, Forget Me, and Revenge of the Red Club, which was released in October. When Kim came in for this interview, she brought a bag of her books to show us. Some were released abroad with different covers and even different titles. One totally freaked me out. The American cover was of a girl, sort of in a mysterious setting. And I think it was the German cover that was a clown face. Think American Horror Story, the one in the circus. And as much as I have to say about that, Kim has no say in things like cover art for her books. I'm not a graphic designer. You know, I'm just a writer. So it's like they have access to sales data, trends. They know like what's working, what's not. So I try to keep that in mind when I get a cover, um, though I've liked almost all of mine you know and like the newest one revenge of the red club simon and schuster knocked it out of the park that like, is a cool cover love it with love the, it it looks like superhero comic book yeah fists lots of girl power girl yeah tampons on the cover <laughs> like i was so excited because i'm like you never know really how the publisher is going to deal with this if you haven't picked up on it revenge of the red club is about a period positive support group at a middle school complete with a secret locker full of emergency supplies for that time of the month. When the club is banned by the school administration, the girls start a rebellion to find out who's behind the shutdown and why. I'm being very 
forward and out there in the book, uh, you know, having a lot of period talk in this middle grade book and, you know, how are they going to handle that? And they just put tampon on the cover. I'm like, they are going for it. I love this. Like, lean in. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, I was reading on your website there is a review about this is sort of a pivotal Me Too movement right, book yeah. for young readers. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I, I enjoyed reading that because, you know, to be honest, uh, I started writing this book in um, late November, early December 2016. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of rage. <laughs> and there was just a lot of stuff in the news at that time that I felt, um, as a woman, I was just angry, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm like, where does all this start? Where does all this start? And it starts young, you know? And, you know, a lot a lot of the stuff that I took in the book is, is stuff that I took from the news, you know, stuff with uh, sexist dress codes. Um, and just the whole how periods are like just so shameful like why is that an insult it's a normal part of every month for half the population you know it's not a pre-existing condition yes it's yeah so i said where you know where did these attitudes come from and you know i'm like it starts young um and so i'm like i'm gonna channel all these feelings into a book and if it sells it sells if it doesn't uh, it'll make me feel better you know because like some people will like pound on the treadmill some people will like garden like you know to get their rage yeah yeah cook uh i write how did you go from sleuth or dare yeah this really fun series to (laughs) a gamer series this a spooky monster gamer series which i love the title (laughs) i love love close encounters of the nerd kind awesome title and clarity and these paranormal series to revenge of the red club it is very it's a different book for me definitely like sleuth or dare um was right up my alley because all of my books at that point had been mysteries and sleuth or dare is just a younger mystery um but what i did with that series what i really loved is that my two main characters were like huge nerds and proud of it like just and it, it was a huge part of the series that they were just so proud of being nerds and Nerd i loved power. that yeah and then gamer squad actually came from um the summer that my son and i played pokemon go together nice and it was just such a happy time and again the main character you know uh my female main character was a coder you know like she's it's very like stem positive and yeah. she's total nerd um and then Revenge of the Red Club, <laughs> even though it seems like completely different for me, um, it still has a mystery in there. I don't know if I just love writing mysteries or if I just don't know how to structure a book without one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I write romances, so yes. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. So do you do you feel like your characters are doing things that you wish you could do in real life? Oh yeah. Oh, there's definitely in some of them there is some fantasy fulfillment. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like in Clarity, um, she is bullied pretty badly, and mm-hmm. there were a couple years of middle school where I was bullied, and um, you know Claire, my main character, uh, stands up for herself in a way that I wish I had mm-hmm. when I was young, and so there's definitely some wish fulfillment in those pages. Yeah. Like absolutely. Um, but yeah, and there's, there's, you know, a tiny part of me in some of the characters, you mm-hmm. know, 
wish fulfillment that hopefully inspires readers yes. to take action. Yeah. I got a really nice, I, I love getting mail from readers is like the best. When yeah. I first started publishing, it was usually like snail mail, but now I'll get like little emails and it'll be like sent from my iPad, you know? And it's like, yeah. oh, you can picture them in the room, you know? But one of the best letters I ever got was after Clarity. It was from a girl who had been bullied and she mm -hmm. said that, you know, reading about Claire standing up to her bullies and all that like really helped her and I like legit burst into tears reading that letter like you tears would. staining the paper like sobbing like because it's just like that made it all the more real like I'm not just writing for myself like mm -hmm. there are actually real people that I'm not related to or friends with who buy these books yes. <laughs> and read them and so that was you know like a pivotal moment. Do you have any advice to aspiring writers people who want to get published mm -hmm. about sort of the behind the scenes the down and dirty business of yeah. publishing my number one piece of advice is whether or not you make it in this business has less to do with anything else than it does to do with resilience you can't get stuck on one book and 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 keep like tweaking that one book or whatever because if I had done that you know <laughs> I never would have gotten my contract. You have to be willing to let books go. And I have to do that even now, you know. You know I'll write a book and I'll think, this is definitely going to sell, and it doesn't, and it breaks my heart, and I have to put it in the drawer and start the next project. You have to be willing to move past. Um, and you also have to have thick skin, which I think is hard because writers in general, I think, are very empathetic people. That's how we can write other characters so well, by getting in their heads. So I think it's interesting because we're very empathetic people so by nature we're sensitive and thin-skinned but we're forced in this business to be very thick-skinned so you just have to find a way to make it work for you um and you know at first you're facing rejection from agents and then after that face rejections from publishers and then after that you face rejections from like the entire populace like <laughs> with like you know amazon and goodreads reviews and stuff like that and everyone sort of finds their own way to deal with it or they don't and they leave the business but um with my first book I was like I'm fine I'm tough I got thick skin you know reviews won't bother me I'm gonna go on Goodreads and read everything and then what I found would happen was I would read 10 five-star reviews and barely remembered them but that one-star review that said like this author is too stupid to live would reverberate <laughs> in my head that over and over for like a month take your favorite book like the book that you love so much go on Goodreads and read the one-star review. Mm -hmm. And then you'll realize how subjective the whole thing is. How I Made It is produced by me, Kristen Livingston, for Bentley University. Special thanks to Isabel Bader, Caroline Cruz, Jenna Floster, Molly McKinnon, and Terry Cronin for their help and support. You can find more episodes at bentley.edu slash howimadeit, and to share your story of making it, send us a note at howimadeit at bentley.edu. And you can find all of Kim's books and those five-star reviews at kimharrington.com. We'll see you next time. There is a book that and I'm, I still haven't given up on it. It's a middle grade book that I wrote a couple years ago that I feel I'm like, this is a good book. Like, this should sell. I can look at some of my old books and be like, yeah, you didn't deserve to be in hardcover form, <laughs> pal. But this one I do feel it does. <laughs>